Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for being here today. Um, I wanted to follow up a little bit with the um, Westside Elementary coffee cart. So we asked them, like the counselors, the principal, what we can do to bless the teachers over there, because teaching has been a difficult thing this past year, right? Um, We can recognize that. So we ended up um, giving them a coffee cart last fall and uh, also gave them gift bags when they came back into school. You know, it was really, really pretty cool. And I got phone calls, like left on my voicemail here at the church, in tears. I mean, people were so excited about, uh, the teachers were so excited. So we asked again this spring, hey, it's about the end of the school year, what can we do? And they're like, we really like that coffee cart. So we did the coffee cart again on Friday, and the principal sent me an email, and he said, if there's ever anything we can do to help you guys, just let us know. You guys are great neighbors. Um, so as a follow-up on that, for our Vacation Bible School, we gave them 430 flyers that they're going to give to each child over there, which I think is pretty exciting. You know, they're doing that for us. And then also, one of the teachers uh, contacted the counselor who contacted me and said, hey, we're doing this fundraiser. We're doing Nelson's Chicken, and we want to... I want to personally donate 30 meals to Lighthouse Vineyard Church, and they can do whatever they want with it. Um, so we have a teacher who spent their own money to buy to donate 30 meals to us, which are going to be used to feed our students. So our students are really excited about that. Um, I'm even thinking about volunteering that night at student ministry. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, that's a lot of work. <laughs> student ministry is tough, man. <laughs> But yeah, so we're, we're building this relationship with them, which is uh, really, really exciting. And it, again, thank you guys so much for your generosity. It helps us to be good neighbors and to be generous in our community. All right, so in two weeks, mark your calendars, we are going to ordain Matt LaFree. So yeah. It's going to be during first service. Many of you are already calling him Pastor Matt, but that's wrong. He's not pastor yet. Two more weeks, two more weeks, and we're going to ordain him. He's been doing a, a wonderful job here. He's been on staff for about a year now, and uh, so I'm excited about doing that. So that's coming up in two weeks, only during the first service. So if you want to be part of that, you got to jam in here, first service. All right, so to answer today's, or to start today's uh, message, I want you to think about this question. Can you think of a time when you were incredibly nervous? Okay, just think about it. Really, really nervous. I was uh, looking at this video the other day of a contestant during Britain's Got Talent. You know, it's like, what is it? America's Got Talent. It's like that. Britain's Got Talent. And the contestant's name is Christopher Maloney. I thought it was Christopher Mulcahy. It was really close, but it's Christopher Maloney. So it's not our own Christopher. And uh, he's a customer services advisor, but he's not a professional singer. So he is trying to sing in this video. So watch this video. (laughs) 
Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tender reed, lies the seed that with the sun's love in the spring becomes the We cut a little bit off out there in the middle. I don't know if you caught that, but boy, was he nervous. Did you see that? I mean, shaking the whole bit. Um, Now, he did get four yeses, by the way, and continued on. But can you think of a time when you were nervous? Maybe that nervous. I I can think of a time when I was working at Memorial Hospital, and I was a manager in my 20s. And uh, I was an IT guy, so I was behind the scenes. I didn't like getting up in front of people. And they had a management meeting with all of the top management, about 300 people uh, at Memorial. And they asked me to get up and do a presentation on some type of new system we were putting into place. I didn't know that came along with being in management. You know, to get up in front of people, I didn't like it. So anyway, so I prepared my presentation. And I remember sitting in the front row and looking over and seeing uh, Phil Newbold, who was the president of Memorial, and Jeff Costello, the vice president, and Dan Neufelder, all these big wigs, you know, that I never talked to. You know, they were all sitting there in the front row. And then it was my time to get up and speak. And, and really, I had... I had to put the papers down, you know, onto something because you could just see I was shaking like a leaf. I was so, so incredibly nervous. I, I, I'm sure I did awful. And I'm sure everybody in there just felt sorry for that 20-something-year-old guy. Um, just let it be done. Let it be done. Let him get off the stage. So anyway, that was, that was a time I could think of when I was really, really nervous. So how about you? Can you uh, think of a time when you were really nervous? How about maybe your first day on a job? That can be a little nerve-wracking, right? Um, When I was in elementary school, I remember my first day every year of going to school. I went to the same school all the way up through, you know, kindergarten through graduation. But I was always nervous walking into school that first day. Or how about that first date? You remember a first date when you were really, really nervous? I was thinking about that my first date with Rose. Aw. Carabas, right? Yeah. We were sneaking. We didn't want anyone to know that we were actually dating at that time. So uh, it was kind of fun. Anyway, <laughs> I wasn't nervous, though, but I was, I was really excited. That was pretty fun. Um, but maybe you have a situation that maybe is not so funny. Um, maybe you're nervous about where your money's going to come to pay the bills this month. Or maybe you received a, a, a medical report that You're not sure how that's going to turn out. Or possibly you have a relationship that's not going so well. Because reality is, in life, we're going to run into situations where we become nervous. We become anxious. And when we're nervous and when we're anxious, you know what we really need? We need peace. That's what we need. We need peace. Here's the definition of peace. I love this definition. It's a state of tranquility or quiet 
freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. So just think about that. Think about one of those times when you're nervous. Wouldn't you have loved to have had freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions? Doesn't really sound possible, does it, when we're in the midst of being really anxious and nervous? But let me just submit to you that it is. That it is. Peace is possible no matter our circumstances, no matter our situation. Jesus said this in John chapter 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus taught us many things and through Scripture so that we can have peace no matter our situation, no matter our circumstances. And then he even goes on to say, you're going to have some trouble in this world. If you're going to be alive in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And what kind of peace is this? This is a peace that doesn't make any sense. We shouldn't have peace in the midst of trial. But Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which means it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, that peace that we're talking about is available to each and every one of us. No matter what our situation is, we can have peace. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, but we are in the middle of a sermon series on the names of God called Divine Identity, Knowing God by His Names. Because I believe that as we learn about God's names, we'll have a better understanding of God's character, and hopefully we'll know God even better. And I, so I know, I'm hoping that you start to pray to God by His names. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Makadesh. Today's going to be Jehovah Shalom. We'll talk about that in a second the God of peace. Now, last week, we did have a message called Jehovah Makadesh, the one who makes us holy. Really good message. Lyndon Bontrager taught that one, so if you missed it, I encourage you to go online, watch that. If you were here, I encourage you to go online, watch it again. It was really good. It was really, really good. So, uh, But today, again, we're going to talk about a God who, who gives us peace. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6. You can turn to your Bibles there if you'd like. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. That's where it's at in your Bibles. This is the story of Gideon. Gideon needed some peace. <laughs> Just side note. At this time, the, the children of Israel are being oppressed by the Midianites. And Gideon is a farmer. Uh, he's not a, a warrior. He's not a leader at this time. He's just a farmer. In fact, he's, 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 a, he's an, afraid, an afraid farmer because he's threshing wheat in a wine press. So he's hiding away from the Midianites and just trying to, to thresh his wheat. And then an angel shows up. An angel comes along. And uh, the angel calls a mighty warrior, first and foremost, calls him out. He's like a farmer, a scared farmer, but there's, he's calling him a mighty warrior. And then he tells him to go and fight the Midianites, to deliver the people of Israel from the Midianites. Gideon has a few doubts. <laughs> he's like, you sure you got the right guy? 
Are you really an angel? I mean, this is the kind of questions that are going on. And so he decides to ask the angel for a sign uh, and goes and brings an offering of unleavened bread and meat to the angel. And we're going to pick that up in uh, verse 20, chapter 6, verse 20. The angel of God said to him, said to Gideon, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. I mean, that's quite a scene right there, right? I mean, fire, and then smokes, and then the angel's gone. (laughs) When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord! Alas is is like, oh my goodness, I'm scared. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abizurites. Abizurites. So that's our title today is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. And I believe that from this little section of scripture, we can find a few keys that will help us all to have more peace, no matter what our circumstances are. Uh, And I'll give those to you. You can write those on your handout. But first, let me pray. So God, I thank you that you care about the small things, about the details, that you know our emotions, you know you know when we're afraid. You know when uh, we're apprehensive, when we're nervous. And Lord, you care about those things. It's just shown here through your scripture. You care about those things. And you want us to have peace. And you are the God of peace. So Lord, I pray today that you would help me just empower your servant here, Lord, to speak your words today. And that you would give all of us your words to hear. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. We can all have more peace when we, first of all, reject the worst-case scenario. Reject the worst-case scenario. When Gideon realized, this is the verse 22, that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Allah, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So when the angel burned up this offering, Gideon realized, maybe it was for the first time, that this really was an angel. (laughs) He had supernatural powers, and then he just disappeared right in front of him. And so he realized, I've seen it. I've seen an angel. Oh, no, I'm going to die. I mean, it's immediately the worst case scenario. The reality is, why would an angel show up, tell him he's going to save the Midianites, and then kill him, right? I mean, that's probably not going to happen. But in his mind, it's like, I remember, I remember a scripture somewhere. I think Moses, if Moses said, if, if we saw God face to face, in fact, it goes back to Exodus 33:20. Moses asked to see the glory of God. And God's response, but he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. So he's kind of remembering this story that God told Moses, if you see my face, you're going to die. Well, this wasn't the Lord. This was an angel of God. But immediately, 
Gideon's like, I, I'm going to die. It's the worst case scenario. Does anyone do that? I mean, no matter what the facts are, if you, if you see a situation, it happens to you and you're like, it's over. I'm going I'm to die. I actually, I, I was thinking about this because my mind goes there quick. I mean, all the time it goes there. I drive by a policeman and I'm like, I'm going to jail. I mean, it's just like immediately. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm speeding or not. And I just like, I look at my rear view mirror. He's going to track me down and throw me in jail. I know it. Um, not, it was probably a couple years ago now. I remember I was taking a shower, you know, washing up, and, and I felt, I know, isn't that kind of gross? But I felt right here, it was, it was, it was under my arm. I felt a lump. I'm like, ooh. And I'm like, oh, oh, there's, that's the one there. Those must be lymph nodes, and they're swollen. So I went to Dr. Google right away, and I, and I looked. <laughs> lymph, swollen lymph nodes under your arms. What's wrong with me? I'm going to die, all right? I mean, if you look at that cancer, lymphoma, I mean, I'll just, I don't know how to say that, but all these bad things. And, and I remember thinking, is, is my will up to date? I mean, really, I'm going through, is Rose going to be okay? How are the kids going to be? Did you even know that? Did I, did I tell you about that? Yeah, probably I got our will in order or something, didn't I? <laughs> but that's like my mind went to that worst case scenario and it, it, I'm alive today. I didn't have anything. It all just kind of went away. Um, but look, how about you? You know, think about those times when your mind goes to the worst case scenario. So your boss calls you into a meeting on Friday afternoon. You know what that means, right? You're getting canned, right? They do all the firings on Friday afternoon. Oh, no, the boss has a meeting with me on Friday afternoon. I'm going to be fired. Or... Uh, we get in an argument with our spouse or with a boyfriend, girlfriend, and we're like, relationship's over. You know, we're never, we're not going to make it. You know, it's over. I better start thinking, where am I going to live? All those things. Um, or how about this? We commit a sin, and we know it's a sin. And then we think, I'm never going to get over this. I'm just going to be a sinner, and I'm never going to break this sin, and God's going to revoke my past to heaven. You know, I mean, we just, our minds can go there to this worst case scenario so easily. But we need, if we want to have peace, we need to reject that worst case scenario, that immediate thing that plays into our minds. And we have to start thinking about the good things in our life. Right? So this is Philippians 4 8. It says this. This is kind of a real, I mean, this is a key. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, that's how we get our mind off of the worst case scenario. Right, we, we think about these things. Remember these things. And I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've done this before. So I'm worried about something. And then I just start thinking about what is good, what is noble, 
the blessings in my life. And, and I, when I'm anxious or nervous, I mean, I can feel it physically. Like my heart will race. Um, I'm sure, I don't check my blood pressure, but I'm sure it goes up, you know, at those times. But I can actually feel like my, my breathing slows down, my heart rate slows down, my stomach's not quite as upset. I'm like, oh, okay. Just think about these things. Think about the good things in our lives. So you can write this down. The cure for the worst case scenario is to meditate on the best case scenario. I mean, why not, right? I mean, if our minds are going to make something up, we might as well make up the best things. The cop, all right, we drive by a cop. He's going to pull me over and give me a key to the city. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lump. Maybe that's superhuman powers. I mean, you know, just... I mean, if our mind's going to make something up, let's just make up some good thing. Whatever's good, lovely, hopeful. That's probably not scriptural, whatever I just said there. But, but meditate on the best things. Think about the best things. I mean, it'll change your... We need to assert our right to it. We need to stake our claim to it. So watch what Gideon does. But the Lord said to him, so first Gideon thinks he's going to die, right? But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. And to this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abizirites. So when the Lord said, peace, Gideon, you're not going to die. Gideon didn't argue with him and go, you sure about that? I don't know. It certainly feels like I'm going to die. No, he didn't do that. He immediately goes and builds an altar, stakes his claim to it. Now, look at this is a picture of what an altar might have looked like. I mean, it's, it's solid. It's stones and gravel, and it's, you could tell it's man-made. It's built. It's built to last for years. So he builds this altar, and then he gives it a name, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. And it has a story that goes along with it where Gideon's going, no, the angel of God came and scared me. I thought I was going to die. But the Lord said, you're not going to die. You can trust it. And so I built this altar and I called it peace. No, Jehovah Shalom, because the Lord is peace. And it stands there today. I mean, he, that's a pretty big stake in the ground, right? He's like, no, God, you told me I'm going to live. You told me to have peace. So here it is. I'm making my claim. I'm staking my claim. So let's personalize that a little bit. I want you to take a second and just think about some truths that God has spoken to you. Some truths. Now, it might have been through Scripture, like you're reading Scripture, and God's God has this theme, and you're like, he said this truth to me. It might have been through songs that you've listened to. It might have been some words that somebody spoke to you. Or God, just you just heard God speak to you. But, but you have some truths that God has spoken to you in the past. All right? Does everyone kind of have one? I want you to take a second and write that down on your handout, if you would. If you have a handout... Pens are on the chairs in front of you if you want to grab one. But just write that down for a moment. Something that God has spoken to you that is a truth. I'll tell you one that God's spoken to me. 
Um, over the years, God has called me to be a fighter, to be a warrior uh, for him. So he's called me to fight for my family, to fight for my marriage. He's called me to fight for this church and for this community. Um, he's called me to fight for the lost, for the poor, especially the poor in other countries. And God has called me to fight for marriages in our church and in our, our community too. So he's called me to be a fighter. And, and I've known that. I didn't necessarily write that down anywhere, but I've known it. But about um, eight years ago, I bought a car that I just, I'm in the process of selling, but it was a 2004 Honda Pilot. And as I was cleaning out this Honda Pilot, I found this little guy. I think I have a picture of this little guy. See this little guy? This is a little, little ninja guy dressed in white. And he's got a throwing star that he's getting ready to throw. Uh, but that throwing star, if you look at it close enough, it can look a little bit like a cross, like it's holding a cross. And when I, when I found this, you know, I was just getting ready to throw it away. And I felt like God said to me, no, Clint, you're, I want you to hold on to that because it represents the calling in your life to be a warrior for me, to fight for me. And those of you that know me know I'm not very passive, right? I mean, that wouldn't be a definition to say Clint's passive. And, but it's a tendency. I can be passive, but God has called me to fight. And so anyway, this little guy has been sitting on my dash for eight years, and, uh, and I just got a different car. So I'm in the process of like, okay, where's he going to go in the new car? Got to move him over to the new car. Um, but for you, what, with what you wrote down, is there, is there something you can do to stake your claim on it, to make it visible, more than just in your head, to actually make it stand out. You don't have to build a big rock altar in your backyard, you know, but there may be other ways you can do that. My wife Rose, when she, when she has a truth or a Bible scripture that speaks to her, many times she'll put it on a sticky note and just put it right on the mirror in the bathroom. Other times we'll take verses. I have some in my office and we'll make plaques out of them. You know, things that God has called us to do, posters. There's things like that. But I would just encourage you, if God has given you a truth, you're not going to die. Then let's stake your claim on that. Stake your claim. Make it visible. Bring it from just the fight in your head to being out loud in front of people, and mostly in front of yourself. But let it stand out as a witness to what God has spoken to you. Because that brings peace. That will bring peace. That's the second point. I feel like God is just wanting to, to speak to somebody who um, God gave you a truth decades ago. Decades. And he wants you to bring that back out into the light because God does not change like shifting shadows. His truths are still the same today as they were decades ago. 
Um, so it's not too late. It's not, it's not over. That season hasn't passed. I mean, just thinking of all the, the lies that the enemy might be saying to you. So to hang on to that truth and bring it back out, restake your claim, restake your claim, okay? All right, so that's the second point. We can all have more peace when we stake a claim on the truth. The last point is one I almost missed when I was reading this, and I, I, didn't, wanna, I didn't wanna miss it for you guys. Um, we can all have more peace when we spend time in worship. Spend time in worship. So, Verse 24 says, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there. Guys, altars were meant for worship. So Gideon built this altar, and what's implied is that he worshiped. He worshiped. He worshiped through sacrifice, uh, most likely through bowing down, through songs, through prayer. And when I'm anxious and when I'm nervous, the number one thing I do is put on some worship music. The number one thing I do. When I was going through a divorce many, many years ago, um, it was in that season that all I could do was listen to worship music. It was the only thing that I had that could bring peace into my life, into my heart. And so when we are anxious, and there's so much Good worship music out there right now. Oh my goodness. Elevation worship, just search for that. <laughs> if you're out there on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, Maverick City music, another one. Just so much good music is being released right now, especially out of you know this pandemic. And I would just encourage you guys, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to drive in silence sometimes. I get that. It's good sometimes. Just, it's easy just to turn on the radio. But I would encourage you to figure out how to listen to worship music, especially if you're in an anxious season, because it brings peace. It brings peace to our hearts. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're actually going to end by having a time of worship. So I'm going to invite Will to come up and get ready. I'm invite Killian in the beacon to get ready as well. The song is titled Peace Be Still uh, by Lauren Daigle. She's the one who's made it popular recently. But this song is all about having peace in the midst of our storms. Because, guys, we are going to have trouble. There is going to be difficult seasons. What will make us different than those that don't know Jesus is that we can have peace in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our storms. But sometimes it takes us remembering, oh, I don't need to think about the worst case scenario. You know, I need to stake my claim on the truths that God has given me. And then I probably need to spend some time in worship and prayer. So um, if you guys would all stand, I'm going to pray, and then Will's going to lead us in this, this song. So God, I thank you for peace. I thank you that we could have peace. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as we sing this song, Father. Because we need, we need you. There are storms in this life. And we need you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
there's so many times in our lives when there's so much going on there's so much going on in our minds so much going on around us that it's really hard to focus on the good things in the midst of it all there's decisions that need to be made things to do and it's hard to have peace in it, right? Yeah. Christine, will you put up Philippians 4-7 again? It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a peace <laughs> that we don't always understand. I've had those times in my life when life was hard, really hard. But you know what? In the midst of that, I still had peace. It is possible. 
And I know some of you have too. In the midst of hard times, you still had peace in it. It is possible <laughs> to have peace when it's hard. So there are some of us in the room who need that peace. And it also comes with surrender. Are we willing to surrender it all? Are we willing to surrender our situation to him in order to have that peace? It takes surrender. Giving it to him, giving your situation to him, giving your life to him, giving it all to him. That's where the peace comes when we surrender it all. So Will's going to go into the rest of the song, but as he does that, if that's something that you really, really long for, you've got stuff going on in your life, and you need peace in the midst of it, it doesn't mean that your situation is going to go away, but you can have peace in it and knowing God's got me. God's got this. But it takes you surrendering that to him and giving it to him and letting him take care of it. Because we can work and work and work and work and try and take care of the situation. And that's going to stress us out to the max. Do you need God's peace in this situation? If you do... I would encourage you to come forward, to kneel, lay down, stand, whatever you need to do as an act of surrendering this situation, this relationship, this job, this whatever it is. Just come forward and surrendering it to him. If you need peace in it. Who needs that peace? <laughs> I do. So as Will goes into this song, just come forward and surrender your situation and ask the Lord to come in and bring the peace that you need because he's got it. Rise up in me. Let faith rise up, O heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, O heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, O heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Oh, 
Till I'm dancing in the deep Peace, peace still You are here so it is well Even when my eyes can't see I won't trust the voice that speaks So God, I just speak peace over each of these people here in the front. Jehovah Shalom, will you just come, just rest on them, knowing that you have got it. You are the God who is sovereign. You are the God of peace. So God, I pray this week as they go that, Lord, that you would show up in, <laughs> in experiential ways, in practical ways for them to know, yeah, Jehovah Shalom is with me. Stake your claim, guys. So Lord, I pray a blessing over each person in this room as we go this week. God, I pray that as we go through this week, that Lord, that your peace would cover us in moments of stress and moments of anxiety. <laughs> I pray against that in Jesus' name. And Lord, we claim your peace over our lives, over our minds, and over our hearts because that's who you are. Thank you for being with us, and I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Have a good week. Thanks for being here. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.